Hello team, welcome to Troubleshooter's Corner, your place for leadership and crisis management tips and case studies for troubleshooters like you with skin in the game and a need to make a difference. Now why bother showing up in person when you can do just as well by Zoom or virtual conference? Well, it all depends. Can you really do just as well? Because sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Today's episode, podcast four, is why be there. The bottom line up front, there are routine meetings for certain business that work well remotely when everybody knows each other and travel would impose an expensive or time-consuming burden. And there are also other occasions where certain interactions and unexpected discoveries just don't happen unless you are there, in the right place, at the right time, with someone you would never have gotten to encounter any other way. Now stick to the end for the whole story and some keepers. As usual, we'll begin with a situation. Now let's face it. One of the mixed blessings that the coronavirus pandemic has given us is the proliferation of meetings by Zoom, Skype, and other platforms. The kind of virtual meeting that used to be considered a last resort has now, in many cases, become the new default. It's a standard. We've gotten used to it. No one questions that these virtual meetings have often been a godsend. Indeed, for conducting routine business that would have otherwise forced some participants to lose a couple of travel days and suffer through connecting flights just to be present for an hour or two of a board meeting or some other mandatory periodic standards review. In those situations, the Zoom meeting has turned out to be a resounding success. It saves time and enables participation by people who would otherwise not have the time or resources to spend getting to and from such meetings. But, and there's always a but, let's consider some examples of what a troubleshooter may be missing. In other words, the kind of session where in-person benefits just don't materialize in a virtual format. Three examples come to mind. Here they are. Number one. There was an interim police chief of one of the largest U.S. cities speaking at at an emergency management retreat who happened to share the same lunch table after giving his presentation. As good as his presentation was, the insight he'd shared in one-on-one conversation turned out even better. He revealed the secret to his rise to career heights that he never expected, and it all boiled down to something he asked for without at the time realizing the cascading impact it would have for his reputation and future promotions. What was that secret? Well, one day, he found himself in a safe but boring assignment. In a spasm, partly of zeal and partly of candor, he asked his chief, Hey, boss, why not send me to the worst station you've got, where you really need someone to turn things around? chief was surprised. He'd never heard an offer like that before. So he took him up on it and did just that. From that point on, the requester's reputation needed only one thing to command respect. He had to deliver. And he did. 
After that, he developed a reputation as a troubleshooter and fix-it leader who could be counted on to go in where needed most and deliver results for top management. Here's another lesson that happened even more obliquely. This one came during a break at an Oracle users conference where two middle managers from different companies found they really didn't belong. So they got to talking in the break area and skipped the next session. The older of the two mentioned that the best thing he had walked away with from a different technical conference was a book by a management author named Charles Handy, and the book was called The Age of Unreason. That book took a deep dive into the information age and how different the information worker is from the traditional employee of the past. Now, his remarks were so illuminating, his conversation partner went right out and bought that book, Age of Unreason. Then he found himself citing it and using it in presentations he made later while consulting for a variety of clients. Final example. Now, this one is a modest one. It's a modest insight, but one no one ever tells you about, no matter how hard you look for the answer. This exchange took place in a lounge at an annual professional conference with about 200, well, no, with actually 20,000 attendees. Now, the lounge itself was reserved for attendees holding a certain professional certification, which both these members shared. As they drank coffee and compared notes on happening in their respective regions, one of the members happened to wonder aloud how come their professional society was now championing a lot of what seemed to be lesser certifications. To the casual observer, he remarked, it seemed to be a moneymaker because, after all, all the certifications came at some cost for training, testing, and periodic certification. But it seemed to be diluting the professional brand. Well, it turned out that one of the two had been involved in launching one of these very certifications. So he agreed about how things looked. Then he revealed what the thinking was behind the maneuver. He and his colleagues worked to create the lesser certification because they realized that people in their field who could not qualify for the higher certification were nevertheless interested in improving themselves as much as they could. The lesser certification allowed them to do just that. It recognized that there might these people might not get exposed to a broader range of subjects over which the higher certification required a certain command. At the, at the same time, though, the lesser certification set forth a path for getting smarter and better on a more narrow specialty, and getting certified meant that a practitioner had met some testable standard as a condition of earning that lesser certification. Now, what did all these three situations have in common? The insights gleaned all came unexpectedly, from chance encounters in informal settings, the kind that most professional conferences go to great lengths to build into their agenda. At the same time, none of these insights or nuggets of information would have surfaced in a series of Zoom meetings. So here are your keepers. Number one, routine status meetings among people who already know each other can sometimes be more productive by Zoom call or other virtual means than in-person meetings. No question. Number two, in-person meetings come with opportunities for picking up insights that were not on the agenda, and these generally involve one-on-one -on -one interactions. Sometimes they prove more valuable than the rest of the conference itself. Number three, if you are in a business of troubleshooting where you need uncommon insight into the inner workings of an organization, 
There are times when there is no substitute for being there, in person, and for maximizing opportunities to have one-on-one -on -one exchanges with someone who may be the key to solving your biggest challenge. Now, a colleague asks, why not just schedule some conversational or one-on-one -on -one time as a separate Zoom meeting instead of having to travel on-site in person? Well, that's a good question. The answer to that, though, is that people need to get to know each other to establish rapport and a baseline level of trust before they'll open up. Once they know each other well, there may be times when a virtual exchange may work, but not if the discussion is sensitive. You never know who may be listening in or whether something shared in confidence was recorded and then developed a life of its own. Number two, if you have a very busy schedule jammed with back-to-back meetings, a colleague asks, what, what difference does it make? Why You may not have time for those one-on-one -on -one sessions anyway, so why not make better use of your time with virtual meetings? Well, the answer to that is this may be the case, but if it is, you are not deriving maximum value from in-person meetings in the first place. The trick to getting the most out of in-person meetings is to give yourself enough time to allow for those extra side conversations and unanticipated insights. Finally, a colleague asks, is there any time when you should give up on a virtual meeting? Well, nothing is perfect, and many virtual meetings still beat having no other alternative available. However, if you have insurmountable problems with your communications technology, or the format keeps you from deriving the level of interaction that you feel you're paying for in fees or time, then it just makes sense or makes no sense to participate. This also applies to in-person meetings too, though. In both cases, you have to be able to come back with the impression that what you were getting was worth more than what you were taking in order to participate. So, till the next time, stay watchful, troubleshooters, but never be afraid of taking a calculated risk.